I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. Hello and welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we are discussing the men's game versus Adelaide and the women's game versus uh, Brisbane. Let's crack on, gents. Mr. Warburton. Hello. Mr. Richardson. Hello, hello. And Mr. McIntosh. Good evening. AKA uh, Dale, Dave and Cam. Should we start with the men's that happened first? I'm never sure I know your, your last name, Frosty. You don't know my first name, mate. That's a good reason. <laughs> Adam? <laughs> his last name his last name is French you are ruining my employment chances right now thank you Cameron you are welcome I'm not, I'm not here to do you a favour by French you mean a swear word right <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly right frosty shithouse we yeah. Oui. yeah shithousery <laughs> it's the French word for shithousery yeah. um, the line up for the men's team Oscar Zwada injured still um Thighbork, un- unnamed Thighbork, I believe, with a bit of a change in the midfield. Al Tay coming on from the last starting lineup in place of Ball. I think that was the only change. So that's Paulson, Kelly Heald. Oh, Kelly Heald on for Sutton as well. Uh, Wooten, Sermon, Payne, Al Tay, Rufa, Pennington, Krajev, Barbarusis, and Old. If I had offered you uh, a draw at the beginning uh, before we went to Adelaide, gents, you know the history there. You'd probably bit my hand off for it, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, any any point in Adelaide is a good thing for us. Yep. Yep. Do we do we think that's just the the travel or because it's like this is a a dozen different Phoenix teams really struggle there. The southern states of Australia seem to have our biggest problems picking up mm. away points. So victory in South Australia. So I don't know. Maybe there's a uh, there's a latitude issue. If if it was just travel, right? You'd expect our our record to get slightly worse in in Melbourne, a little bit worse again in Adelaide, and then even worse in Perth, right? But that's not actually the trend we see. So I don't think it's just the distance we go in the travel time. There's something else to it. Is it distance? Combined with how trash the opposition are, I mean, you can take from it what you will. There's definitely, there's definitely something, right? Like we we don't do well in a couple of away trips in particular, but broadly, Phoenix teams across their history haven't done well away at all. So, you know, uh, that's a point I want to come back to with the the women's. Um, but uh, this was a pretty decent start for the most part. Uh, cry of. Uh, tapping in off a um, pain cross, but uh, main probably only a yard and a half offside. That's a pretty tidy finish, though. Oh, it was. It was. That's kind of how you knew he was offside, though, right? Because he just slotted it like it was nothing and then tried bravely to claim that he was onside. I think it was a lot closer than you think. I mean, I don't think they ever showed the lines, did they? But... I reckon he was a long way yard. off. Nah, I think I think the angles are deceptive. <laughs> I mean, Dale might be right, but I don't think anyone's going to argue he was onside, right? Like he's he's off, even if it's a big margin or a small margin. This is not this is not onside. We're not talking millimeters in no. it. Only three minutes after Crive's uh, unfortunate callback, um, 
Costa's time done again. Man, he is having some form. Uh, this time, uh, I guess a simple tap-in. Um, a ball that's crossed across the far post. Uh, Lucas Kelly Heald has uh, nodded it back using that immense size of his. Um, and the Brisbane centre-backs just standing like statues, Costa nips in behind. Probably one of the easiest goals he scores. You know when you're in a in a bit of a run of form when these sorts of things drop to you, right? I, I think you're doing him a disservice, Matt, saying that was one of the easiest goals he's ever going to score. He's snuck in behind a guy. He's off balance when he gets his foot around him, there, and he never gets a fairly clear shot at the ball coming through. Um, I think he's done really, really well. And yes, entirely the defender's made all sorts of errors there, and he's only got himself to blame for getting there. But credit to Costa for sneaking in, making the defender not realise he was there, and getting his foot into that space where he didn't really deserve to be. He actually came from quite a long way back as well, so it's something he, you know, was obviously trying to get, you know, jolly on the spot and get in a good spot and, yeah. and reap the rewards of some fairly, you know, robotic statue-like defending uh, from the centre-backs. Yeah, and I think, I think as well we... Obviously, you know, you, I think you've undersold Costa a bit, but I think it's underselling Kelly Heald as well. He actually makes a very good header here that that has to be just far enough away from the keeper in order that he can't get it, and he's got it absolutely perfect. Like, as you say, the defenders don't do a hell of a lot, so they give him all the time in the world to do it, but it's still a pinpoint header too. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a good call. I mean, those defenders were statuesque, for Kelly Heald's contribution as well. Um, yeah, you're right, Cam. Um, certainly uh, Costa's contribution wasn't small there, but I think it just speaks to his confidence now. He just thinks that the ball's going to drop to me and I'm going to stick it in the net now. And it's just it's just happening, which is, which is beautiful to see. Because, I mean, uh, you guys have been around the Knicks as long as I have, and you will remember all the times where Costa has not had this. And it was not good times for any of us. Must be contract negotiation times. <laughs> oh, you cynic, Dale. You utter cynic. That's mean. I'm being, I'm being mean. That is mean. Considering the conversation we had, what was it, two weeks ago about conspiracy theories and cynicism around Mark? No, nah, mate. It's not. You need to take that hat off, buddy. It's, it's, getting, it's, it's uh, penetrating every aspect of your footballing life. In a somewhat defense, I think, isn't there research to say that the first year after someone signs a contract, their performance or their output's less than the, I think, the six months leading into the end of their, or the season leading into their contracts up? So, I think it's safe to say people are motivated. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it, let's not think about it being in the Jan January transfer window either. Uh, unfortunately, the lead didn't last long. Um, the Japanese giant for Adelaide, uh, Ibasuki, uh, really showed what he's there to do. Just stick his carcass around and get heads on it. Um, is he, I mean, he just seems like he's designed for this. And um, what's the Adelaide uh, set piece taker, Cl Clough? Yeah. Just, it's like they've, High, uh, like those, they've hired the two in combination. We're going to get someone who can stick it on someone's head and someone who's a foot taller than everyone else and knows how to use that head. It, it, he's a pretty useful guy at set piece. I mean, he was a nuisance all night. He wasn't. I think they had eight, 18 corners, I think, as well, which, mm. um, yeah, we had a lot of defensive work to do. I think, did they say on the TV, I think 
Adelaide has scored the most from corners this season. It doesn't doesn't surprise me. Obviously, they've got good delivery. It's something we we don't really have from corners, despite having a couple of you know fairly decent sized guys in our team now. But I didn't quite understand the. I'm sure there's a, there must be a reason why Alte is, is marking him because uh, he's not I exactly known for his. Like, is he is there more to to block runs rather than to kind of compete and and let the big guys sort of at- attack the ball? Because if that's planned. Kelly Hill was like less than a meter away from that, and Sutton and uh, not Sutton, uh, Wooten and Sermon um, were also not that far away, but no one really no. made an my, effort. My to, only read was that because they had Altay on him another corner as well, and it looked like they were using Altay to man mark, and then they were zoning with the three big fellas, which made no sense to me at all. Like surely you're putting Wooten on someone that can is almost as tall, but is also a lot more solid that can just be bumping him all day. It seemed yeah. really, really weird. Like Muhammad Altay doesn't come up to his chin. Yeah, it was only a very small sort of movement that he made to get free of Altay as well. Um, Altay was kind of more blindly looking at the, the player rather than the ball. As as good as the delivery and Ibisuki uh, is in the air. Still somewhat disappointing to have a basically free header from you know six yards out. Yeah, but I thought Ibasuki's movement was actually really like his ability, his the way he used his the length of his body to just lean once he had gotten half a shoulder in front of Altay, moved him the wrong way, just to lean and block him off and get in front of him. I thought that was just very old school, but very very yeah. well done. Yeah, well, I mean, they're basically two lines of attack are set pieces and give it to um, um, Urukunda and let him put it in the box and see what happens. Like, they're a very wide attacking team, right? Like, they go down the wings, not much, not that much centrally. Can I ask you guys about Urukunda? Because I find him the most wildly hit and miss player. Like, he can light it up. But also, he can make the most boneheaded decisions. Like there was one where they were streaming forward, and he decided to have a pop from about twenty-five, you know, twenty-eight yards out, and just wouldn't, like, didn't even look for anyone else. Do you guys reckon that he is? Well, do you think that my opinion is right, or am I just missing something that he puts on the field? Well, he's still young, right? Like, yeah, if it's that you know that's that comes with with you know and experiences you know he's got a lot of confidence um i know the ball the one you mean he kind of shanked it quite wide didn't he uh but you know he has scored some absolute yeah. rippers already this season and last season it's the thing we always say about players you know there's a reason they're playing in the a-league if he was the finished product with all his technical ability his pace and perfect decision making he wouldn't still be here right so there's a there's a reason he is still playing a-league football regardless of the uh, the future he might have ahead of him, which I think he probably does have a decent one. But he's young. If he was if he was that same age and already playing at a perfect level, he'd already be over in Europe doing it there, right? Well, well, he can't because he's only seventeen, so he can't go overseas anyway. So the reason he's playing the A League is he could be there no playing choice. academy football, right? There's there's uh, nothing to yeah, stop but... him. He can't play first team, yes, but he could be there training in an academy full time, ready for his eighteenth birthday, where he's taking the field of the first team. But he's not doing that because he's not finished product, right? 
educate me. Why can't he play first team football overseas? Uh, remember, it's the same as uh, Calvin Harris when he was here. If you've moved countries before you're 18, you you can't you can't play unless you've got you know um, residency or whatever it is because that's to try um, prevent poaching of players. You know, like um, I think I think it's mostly this kind of like you know French football taking a whole bunch of African kids of descendants and yeah like that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So that's um. I, I won all at the end of the half. Um, then oh, this is something I, I don't see. We don't see the Knicks to a huge amount, I don't think. Scoring very, very quickly after that half. I don't even know how many seconds it was. Brilliant start. Uh, Adelaide, don't switch on. Um, Payne puts a good cross in. And, um, again, Adelaide don't deal with a good cross. Uh, Costa scores again. Johnny on the spot. I, I'm loving New Costa. I really am. I mean, I know New Costa is actually old Costa, but <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's he's in that form where like the ball just seems to magnetise towards him, right? Yeah, but you know, there, there have been times where I remember the second stint he had with us, where the ball would drop to him and he'd just panic and nothing would drop. This is beautiful to see, especially with. Zawada missing is is it connected is it just is it that without Zawada he's able to get into spaces that he prefers because Zawada isn't there or is this just a pure coincidence that Zawada's not there and Costa's found this form we talked about this the week because obviously I've been away for a couple of weeks and I haven't bothered to listen to you guys but last time I was on we talked about <laughs> it, where it, it like I think we play differently when Zawada's on the field. If you're going to have him on the field, you need to at least try and pretend to play to some of his strengths, right? And he is a very different man up front to the rest of what we've got. So it's I, I think you'd be crazy to pick Zawada and put him on the field and not at least try and use those strengths. Whereas when we don't have him on the field, whether that be through injury or a selection choice you do have to play a little differently because we just don't have that big target to try and find feet and, you know, drag a couple of defenders out of the way and all that kind of stuff. You don't, you don't have anyone up there with the height, you know. You you do just have to play differently. I think it just suits Costa's game so much more and arguably Kryev's as well. I mean, Kryev kind of thrives a little more when he's not there too, even though I'm sure if you ask both of them, they'd say they love having Zwider on the field because, honestly, having that guy there who could be a bit of a lump and and be dragging two defenders away every time you're in the box must be a benefit. And yet it doesn't actually seem to be. Yeah, I, I do find it interesting because it's like, it's a tactic that we obviously, the, the all whites like to use as Costa as the little of the little and large combo. But it hasn't worked for him thus far with Zawada, despite Zawada playing well and Costa obviously now playing well. So yeah, I, I, I really want to see Zawada back so that we can actually see the end to this kind of, I guess, we experiment. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't long after this that Ibasuki's got on the ball again. Again, made an absolute nuisance of him. Aaron Kunda's put a, put a cross across and Ibasuki's just done what he does, right? Get, get into that penalty spot six-yard box and just put it away. Is there anything more to say apart from this is just a professional out, a professional footballer who knows what his strengths are and how to go about it? Uh, yeah, it was the thing he, he loves to do is running at players, right? And um, I thought it was a, a little bit 
um, of a surprise, I think, to start Kelly Heald over Sutton. I thought maybe Sutton's experience might have helped help there, whereas you know Kelly Heald was getting a bit of a, a run around um, for lots of that game, and obviously the outpaced quite quickly. Um, and and the cutback, I think, probably I think Wilson didn't quite um, follow his his man and got a little bit ball watching as well. Um, but yeah, like yeah, if that was a, uh, us scoring, it would say that's a pretty pretty nice goal. So you can't really complain too much about it. Yeah, for all uh, Lucas's kind of top end speed, he doesn't turn quickly and accelerate quickly. He is a big, big lad. Um, so if he does get caught out, it, it doesn't doesn't have the ability to to revive himself, I guess, like um, Sutz does. Um, you you do mention that uh, Sutz came on not long after that, two minutes to uh, Lucas getting pulled. Um, there was a wee stint with Halloran hitting a crossbar. Um, how old's Ben Halloran now? He's got to be like a million. He's been in this league for quite a while. Yeah, maybe early early thirties. Yeah, younger younger than all of us, Frosty. Yeah, but I'm not out there running up against professional footballers. I I leave that to playing against eight year olds at the moment. So, but I'm really good against the eight year olds. It felt about this time, this is when sort of Adelaide almost went up a gear and we couldn't quite keep with them. It felt like the momentum, had, like up to then, I think it had been relatively even, but then like they started piling up a little bit of pressure. You know, I hit the post and the crossbar. I think, you know, by the end of the game, I was like, well, I think we're quite lucky to get out of that. Because um, it, just, it just felt like we just didn't quite have enough to go with them. It felt like either we ran out of puff or we got a little like it did feel that we got pressured a bit too that like when we did get the ball yeah there was a lot of simple errors about this well here onwards i mean I, it's kind of why i wonder about not necessarily travel but length of stay or something like that that just uh, mental toil or something just wasn't quite there um we did see david ball come on uh 62nd minute with al tay coming off uh this was interesting. Um, Chiefy's uh, not afraid to kind of pull an attacking sub on to, at times, um, and this is this is a fairly decent one. Um, interesting that Ball didn't start though with his work rate, because you're thinking if he's only got thirty minutes to play with work rate, probably doesn't come into it. Is this just a, you know, do we see this as just getting attacker on and not necessarily um, we don't have the firepower up top so ball is the next guy i think it might have just been exactly that thing that dale's talked about of it it seemed like the tide was turning against us a bit and this was the choice chiefy decided might be the thing to turn it back in our favor because it did feel like they were starting to get a bit of ascendancy you know and, and you were thinking the tide had turned and i think i think chiefy just thought i need to put someone on there And when you're looking at your bench i think you look at david ball and you think he is that workhorse he's going to get about even if he's not doing all that work up front he works across the park you know he's not afraid to come back and help defend he wins the ball he gets gets there on attack you know i think he might have just thought this guy with his engine is going to be the guy who's going to turn some of this back in our favor i think perhaps it maybe it's more reflection of alte i think he kind of he i, I think he's his only starts have probably perhaps been away from home and perhaps shows we're wanting to be a slight more defense first focused um, away from home. And I think 
you know, for, it's almost a week. But my recollection is he, he kind of struggled a little bit, especially with passing and gave the ball away a few times. So mm. maybe it's a bit of a reflection of he's not having a great game. Um, they'll drop old back to do that sort of left midfield role and, and put oh, um, ball into sort of that sort of 10, 10 spot because, you know, we know we don't have a particularly deep, deep bench. So his limitations on on the changes are, um, you could probably guess what the changes are going to be after about a minute uh, into the game. If once you know the starting, starting lineup, you know, you know, Kelly Heald and Sutton are going to swap at some stage. It's not, it's pretty straightforward at the start at this moment. I want to ask you about, um, cause you mentioned, uh, Ben Old and his change in positions. Um, this didn't look like it was. It certainly wasn't Ben Old's game that he played as well as the previous week. Um, did you did you see him playing a different kind of role with David Ball off? And did you see that revert when um, Ball came on? I mean, he certainly wasn't. Didn't you know display anything similar to a Sydney performance? Um, like he's a little bit, a little bit anonymous. I don't, I don't know if that's a bit too harsh, but I'm struggling to remember the th- anything that he did that created or you know uh, changed the momentum of game. So maybe he just had a slightly, you know, slightly off off game. Um, and then once I guess in that second half when we were probably doing a bit more defending, he was kind of flung out to the left to do that defending. Um, his the thing he thrives at was somewhat taken away I suppose you know he thrives in those games where we have a bit more control the game's a bit more open um, or a bit more even uh, but it felt like we were doing a lot of defending in that second half so he kind of went to do that which is a bit bit tough on him hmm. well you mentioned that we were somewhat on the back foot but one one spot where we did get a bit of a breakout was the fresh legs of Oscar Manhattan who'd come on for um, Borja Krajev getting uh Shall we say through? I think it's a bit bit interesting to call Van Haddam through at any stage, short of him running past the goal line and into the net. But getting uh, past Warland, who's he's basically pulled him down. He didn't get past Warland. Warland made sure he didn't get past him. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely butchered him. Um, Warland seemed very surprised that he was getting a, a, a bright red card. Um, I'm not sure that he had an argument. Um in that defence, we did. Um, our one of our associates did point out: is it really a dog? So if it's OVH getting through on goal, Dale, you have your opinions. It's actually quite a heavy touch, and I, I think if the referee yeah. hadn't, I, I could I could see a reason for not giving it. I don't I don't think it's I think it's it's always hard to compare like when a play goes down and in position of the goalkeeper and the you know, who's going to get to there first. But I could see I could easily see a case being made to say it's not clear that he's going to get there first. You know, if his touch was a little bit not as heavy, was it Costa who was on his left, who kind of stopped straight away after the foul? You know, like, if the touch was a little bit um, shorter, Costa probably gets in there and, and, you know, he might lose the the dog so, but good chance of scoring the goal um, from that point because he's he's one-on-one with the keeper, you know, kind of caught in no man's land. I I agree with you. I think think if... It isn't given red on the field. I don't think anyone gets involved here and says that's a clear red. I think once the red was shown, though, there's more than enough evidence there that's not getting overturned by VAR. 
it's it's one of those ones that on-field calls probably going to stand either way because I agree the touch is a bit heavy the the positioning of the other players involved is dubious at best but I don't I don't think you can complain about getting a red card for this either I think it, that's a fair enough call to make but I think you you would see other refs on other days not give this red card because um, they just think the opportunity is already gone long before the Falakers because of that heavy touch and where the goalkeeper is and, you know, all the, all the other factors that are in play there. Red all day. Red all day. Absolute. I'd, I'd be incredibly disappointed if this wasn't given, to the, given as a red card, no matter all the other stuff you're saying. That's, that is textbook dog so. End of story. It's definitely not textbook. Yeah. For me, I thought... Textbook. Yeah, that's a dog so, but I could see... It, like if they hadn't given it, I wouldn't have been throwing my, you know, throwing my TV off the wall. That one, it was it was Van Hattam, and you know my opinion of him. Um, I don't think referees are taking your opinion of players' abilities into account in these, though. Maybe they should. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's yet to show that his potential can turn into a league quality. Yeah, I mean, with this this deep into the game, I, I realistically. The Adelaide are a good enough team, or on top enough that they that they could see the game out, but almost sneaked it right at the end with. I'm going to say Bobolina. Is that because that sounded like how they were pronouncing it? I realise it's got a V in Bova, it. Bova, Bovalina. Bovalina, but in an Aussie yeah. accent, it sounds like Bobolina. <laughs> um, but uh, that's a song from the '90s, wasn't it? Bob Dobolina, that was. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Um, they almost nick it with 10 men. Um, he had a shot uh, blocked, fortunately. But then Pennington goes to the other end and almost nicks it with a uh, header off the post. I mean, this game lit up in the last five minutes, but realistically had no rights to up, you know, the previous 80. I mean, I, I was you know following along on Twitter and everyone said it was quite an entertaining game, which I think, I think it was. There's plenty of shots and and you know um some fairly good football played by both sides i think probably I, I think at the end i think you know if we'd lost that i don't think we could have too many complaints but i'd absolutely take two two before the game and, and after the game i think adelaide probably walk away relatively happy as well to be honest i think it was a pretty even game i think it, as you've kind of talked about you know either team had chances to win it they probably in that second half were shading it more than we were for sure but if we'd if we'd put away, you know, if that offside goal had been onside and we were up three in the first half, I don't I don't think they would have complained that much either. You know, you would the way the game went, they got back into it for sure. But I think walking away with a draw, both teams are probably relatively happy because there were more than enough avenues to a loss for both sides. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Straight on to the women's, um, we'll talk about the next fixtures as a whole the women played brisbane in brisbane riley foster back looked like taylor was uh well taylor main and elliot were all out not on the bench even um my notes say taylor was injured and main and elliot were sick um i don't know anything more than that apparently apparently taylor injured her foot the day before um i haven't heard how serious it is but um, I think we sorely missed her in that game, and um, yeah, May oh. and Elliot apparently were were sick. I think there's a little bit of 
flu or yeah. something going through the team. Like I know a couple of players had COVID and Kelly Brown had COVID a couple of weeks ago. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's still lurking around. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, that that's a massive loss losing Taylor because, I mean, obviously you've got Wisniewski, not who are gone, Taylor out, Maine out, uh, leaving realistically the only people who can play through the middle being Macy Fraser, uh, who's very much an attacking midfielder, kind of number eight at best. So we saw um, Foster, Mickey Foster, step into that defensive midfield role, I guess. It was an interesting kind of drift. Has she played there much before? Well, Helena said she she's played National League there for Hamilton Wanderers previously. Um, she played there a couple of weeks ago as well, didn't she, I think, after all those all-whites were away. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she probably does a yeah, fine fine job. I'm not sure. You know, I think we've seen this year that Taylor's really stepped into that role and and has a almost a bit of a almost a swagger about her in there. Like, you know, she can turn on the ball and, and play and just has that bit of, I don't know, just just glides around the park and looks very comfortable, whereas I don't think Foster is anywhere at that level. If I can pull on what you've just said, the way Taylor plays, it looks like play, other players are scared of her. They give her a lot of time on the ball. Like, they are worried that if they come too close, she might just lean on them or, you know, crush them into it like a like a um, beer can or something. She gets a lot of time on the ball. Like, they just don't want to even try things with her, which is... Which is, you know, I think speaks to basically the way that she's playing at the moment. It's pretty, it's pretty dominant considering that this is realistically only a full season that she's played that position. I mean that, and she is still quite young. Um, so going through the squad, we saw Riley Foster, McMeekin, Lake, Barry, Davidson, Longo, Mickey Foster, um, Fraser. Cox starting this game, then Breslin and Speckmeyer. Um, started well. This game was, it felt like it was the Knicks' one to lose this first half, the whole first half, realistically. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. It felt it felt like the first half we were all over them, and yet somehow that isn't how the half ended. It, um, it, it Yeah, it felt like a game we should have been out by two or three at the half. Um we were we were all over them. We were playing good football, but it, it definitely it felt like that that second goal kind of sucked the wind out of us a bit, which was frustrating because we were playing such good football prior to that. Well, let's get on to the um, there. There was a couple of uh, shots that we had uh, prior, just leading with a lot of dominant possession. I think quite a few corners in the end, and in the end, it was uh, the new player uh, is it. Isabel Cox, um, scoring from a header. Yep. Uh, again, we're talking about statuesque defenders. She, literally, they have all run in towards where they think the ball is going. It hasn't gone there. It's popped over, and Cox has had the, the good sense to walk in front of it and just stick a head on it. It was actually quite a difficult header, I think, It was because it was dying down kind of about shoulder height. So she had to do pretty well to, to get the head on it in the end. I want to say that she was in the right place at the right time, very Costa-like, but this was not good defending. No, it wasn't. But I, I think I think 
again, you might be doing a bit of a disservice to her because I think I think Cox played well. I said it. I said it in the previous week in our little one sentence that I think Dale read out that you know she looks like she's got something that's going to go very well in this league, and I can't see can't wait to see when she's starting. And she was starting, and most of this first half she looked very very good and came away with a goal for her toils. So I want to agree with you, but I also want to say. What she said about herself was not doesn't seem to be the way she played. She's talking about her speed, um, and the uh, and scoring goals and you know and providing from out wide. She looks like a, a a bit of a. I mean, she's very tall. She's quite strong, and she's she's capable with the ball. She doesn't look like she's a classical wide attacker to me. And I don't, I don't think she looks like she's going to tear it up with her pace either. She looks like a strong no. runner with the ball, but not because she's outpacing people, that's for sure. Yeah. She looks like she's just going to lean on people and just get rid of them. It's a go, go into, I think, probably the disservice on the on the corner. I think, you know, you mentioned there's like two or three in the lead up. I think this was the one where the delivery was a bit flatter. Like the, the ones before that were a bit more more floating. I think this is the... Yeah, this is the difference between a ball that goes a meter higher or a meter lower. Is it, it? It gives just much less time to react and, and causes that kind of yeah chaos in the box. And, and yeah, she just happened to be there or read it better or, or happened to be the right spot. And, and it was the one that that got us to to go ahead. Can we point out the 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 stark difference between the delivery for the women's team from corners versus the men's? I mean, it is nice to have someone. In, a, in your home team that can actually hit a good corner. I mean, those ones you were talking about floating, they felt like they were deliberately floated in there and that was the way that they were meant to be delivered as opposed to a lot of the other corners through this game. And then that one, as you say, flatter. I mean, isn't it such a weapon to have someone who can deliver that ball? I mean, how many, how many goals have we got off corners? In fact, the last two seasons. Yeah, quite quite a few, and you know, you know, Foster can do it off both her feet as well, which also also helps. And yeah, compare that to men, we've got some some floaters to the back post, and and the sort of live and hope after that for for second phase. Whereas you know, this is very much it, put a you know a meter in front of the keeper and see if they can deal with it. It it is nice. Oh, uh, God, it, this the first Brisbane goal. This this killed me. It's I always feel like the women's team struggle playing away um obviously you know we all struggle playing away but riley foster has come back in and and just passed the ball to a brisbane attacker who's i think was it yallop it was it was yallop yes who's just chipped her like you know as you'd expect a player of that quality this is a horrible mistake isn't it it's probably the worst person to give it to as well Live, live, live by the small ball, but die by the small ball. But, but it wasn't even the small ball. Well, I think, I think, yeah. What she, I think she was trying to do is, is, is there was a player. I, I don't know who it was. Maybe been longer. I can't remember. But to try pass it around that defender and obviously, yeah, stuff to that. But I guess what really, yeah, I, I, I can kind of accept that. What, what annoys me is I think Rebecca Lake was just sort of ten yards square on the on, you know as a yes. perfect ball to open out, go back the other way, you know, just a, not like there was no other option. Like it wasn't yep. like hoof it clear or try play a, you know, a tough pass. It was a, there was a third option there that was quite easy and perhaps was probably the better ball because it was coming, bringing you out the other direction from where the ball came. Yeah. 
I, I think he did on Dale. I genuinely uh, that that direct ball straight up the middle, expecting your uh, your player to drop to pick up the ball. That works not frequently enough for the chaos it can call if it cause if you turn that ball over there. Yeah. It really was disappointing for someone of her uh, Riley Foster's experience. A couple of things. First, I, I wonder if this is a way that we're trying to play. We always seem like I think one of the things I've internally been critical of in the last couple of weeks is we we play very we seem to play quite centrally and seem to sort of force a lot of ball in in tight situations that perhaps aren't necessary and and perhaps making some some fairly well into about big bad decisions and I wonder whether we're trying to have a directive of trying to play essentially in danger zones rather than you know looking to you know, mix up by going wide. Interesting, I I guess somewhat the reaction to this and you know Riley Foster about whether she's you know worth an import spot or or what and kind of compare it and you know referring to the the dropped free kick against Adelaide and kind of comparing it to Alex Paulson who just a week ago. Also had a fluff with his with his feet, and uh, two weeks before that also dropped a um, across that led to a goal. So it's quite interesting just to see Alex Paulson getting a bit of a free free ride, and Riley Foster getting quite heavily scrutinised. So are you thinking that Paulson's getting the free ride because he's a Kiwi, because he's young, or because something else? Because he made three penalty saves, and people are saying he's been making particularly good saves he hasn't achieved shouldn't have achieved so far this season whereas uh they haven't given he's also yeah he's also not a visa as you say but i think um off the performances he's put in thus far he's earned a little leniency for an for a rick or two from the fans and i think that's probably what it is so you're you're saying weighing up the good with the bad yeah basically he's he's kept us in games and he's earned us points this season from his performances um but not looking beyond the three penalty saves as well he's made some outstanding saves and uh riley has too riley's made some good saves but i don't necessarily think they're quite as obvious as the stuff that uh paulson's made yeah so people haven't quite let her earn that free area yet I, I think you're right i think there's there's the obviousness right i think we obviously watch a lot of football and talk a lot of football and, and all of that. But there's a lot of fans out there who don't even watch every game, right? But they would hear about those penalty saves from Paulson because they would. The, the media covered it, you know. When you watch your highlights package, you see that, even if you only watch the, the three-minute package, right? Um, whereas the stuff Foster's been doing is is kind of a lot of bread and butter stuff. I think she has kept us in games, but it's, it's not the same kind of sexy highlights you see with lots of the Paulson saves. So I think I think there's a bit of that, but I do think the weight of expectations always going to be a thing for every player, right? If you're coming in as a big name player from overseas who's played for big clubs and are taking up an import slot, there is going to be more expectation on you. Whether that expectation's reasonable or not, totally different discussion, but that expectation is going to be higher than a young kid who's been promoted and, and lots of people think he's probably not ready yet, right? So the expectation's different and that's going to color people's opinion. Um, whether or not it's justified is a very different discussion. But it's an interesting point that both of them have had their little case of the whoopsies at about the same time. So you get to really compare it in real time rather than uh, look at the, you know, four or five seasons apart as you do sometimes. 
That's what you listen to this pod for, the stunning analysis. Thank you, Dale. Lifting the game. I want to get on to the second goal because this is something that um, uh, I, I, I want to, again, compare it to the, the men's game. We saw, you know, the Adelaide team not switch on for that at the um, kickoff. And um, sure enough, uh, unfortunately, the women didn't do that either. 46 minutes in, um, Davidson gave, um, God, what was her name? I think she was player of the match. Uh, their left attacking mid, a very straight run to the line inside the box, led across the ball, and um, it has been, um, the, the square ball has been nailed straight past Riley Foster. I don't want to pick on Davidson. She's been pretty good all season, but it felt like she gave her way. She was so worried about her chopping back into the center, gave her way too much for a free run. Yeah, I think I think she does give her a little bit too much space. Um, I did. I think I did. I read that she had been sick during the week as well, and that's maybe that why she came off early. So maybe maybe a bit of um, yeah, sympathy didn't know there. That. What what what? What annoys me about this is they scored 22 seconds into the half and we kicked off. And do you remember what, what the kickoff was? Oh, yeah. um, It was a shot. Yes, it was someone passing well, Macy Fraser shot. who tried to score 50 from 50 yards. Like, like Macy is ambitious. That grinds my gears because, yeah, she can score some good goals. Chances of scoring for 50 yards, like, I mean, Unless the person is outside their box, very, very low. Like, I don't want to pick on her because she's young, but she has a lot of very long distance shots. When yes, particularly she does. when there are when there are some other better options, to, she had a chance later, later in the half, and I think I can't remember who was running up on the right hand side. It might have been Cox. I can't. I can't quite remember. And she took a shot from sort of twenty or twenty five or something, and yeah, it was decent. Straight to the keeper, not too many problems. But it was absolutely no one on the outside, and you could have just slipped a nice little pass and have a free shot at like. So I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't like I said, I don't want to pick on it too much. But I think, <clears throat> I guess that comes back to the young player and decision making and stuff. Is that I'm just not sure the, it's it's quite it's quite there, and and you know the eyes lighting up as soon as you get a sight on goal. We take a lot of shots from outside the box, and and some of that might be justified, but the need to kind of work better opportunities. It's sort of a bit of a glaring sort of hole for the for the woman's side at the moment. I, I think she's probably been given a bit of a license there, to be honest. I think the, the sheer number of times she takes that long-distance shot is there has to be a, a directive from Temps that she can do it. It's, there's got to be because you're right there are there was other options available to her which she isn't necessarily taking but she keeps doing it if she keeps doing it there has to be something and there has to be a discussion that's been had to say yes this is a this is a license to take that opportunity yeah and, and you can have that license and, and you know that's part of you know you know the way you play like i remember back in the days of when ernie merrick coached and apparently there was a directive not to shoot from outside the box because it was such a low chance of of scoring but there's got to be some restraint around that you know you can't just be shooting if as soon as you pick up the ball on the halfway you know that's that that's what frustrates me is is we yeah, it's, that came from us making a silly, silly decision. Yeah, a fifty-yard shot is is not a good decision at all. I totally agree with you there. But so, so perhaps there needs to be a little uh, discussion about 
that decision making because as I say, it keeps she just she keeps taking those shots and she has scored some obviously she's scored several of them this season but if she keeps taking it temps has obviously given her that license but perhaps there needs to be a, a little caveat around it for the most part the rest of the half was Adelaide putting us under pressure us not coping particularly well this was this felt like a game where we missed Kate Taylor just someone to dominate that midfield defensively and just keep a clear head the the turnover of balls again like the men's team it was a little bad we saw um temps rolling subs uh Kelly Brown Mickey Robertson Alyssa Winham all came on for Foster Bristol and Speckmeyer um, that was with 15 minutes to go. There was uh, two Brisbane shots that either hit the post or crossbar. One of them cannoned, and if I recall. From very close range. It's, it's, there's quite some strong similarities between the women's and the men's game. You know, obviously, we took the lead, looked much better in the first half of both, both games, and then second half sort of just lost it a bit, lost control, and... and you know, for the men, at least they managed to hang on, and for the you know for the women, they they were lucky not to con- concede more, despite what came you know very late uh, in terms of you know Robertson. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was two very good chances here. Uh, Mickey Robertson uh, was slid through a magic little ball. I think was that Macy Fraser that slid that one through? Sure, why not? I don't remember. I think it might have been. Yeah, stand correct. Unfortunately. Mickey has just snatched at it. She had the keeper coming out off balance, just went in that far post, but just snatched at it and pulled it wide. This feels like if she just chopped or just had a little bit, was a little bit more composed, she would have slotted this. It, I really feel for her, to be quite honest. She gets very few minutes, and we know that he can, she can score. Just maybe the, yeah, she wasn't quite ready for the pace that um, the Brisbane keeper was coming out. I think at this point as well, there's probably a confidence factor too of the goals aren't coming and so you do start mm-hmm. overthinking these sorts of ones where you you know you've got time and you should be scoring and you end up overthinking it and just dragging it the way she does. It's just, yeah, yeah. the disappointment was visible, unfortunately. Um, five minutes after this, this is the, the, the contention I think we're going to get to. Just a reminder that there is no VAR in the Women's A-League. I don't think there's going to be any contentious issue here, Frosty. I think it's going to be very clear cut. <laughs> well, I think the contention is that this was just a rubbish decision. I mean, this is either three officials who are all unsighted um, and missed a blatant handball on the line. Uh, looking at the this uh, again today, it oh, genuinely looks like that defender has played at the ball with her arm. She has, she's got her arms down, but her uh, elbows bent, so it's out, and she looks like she's like moved towards and volleyballed it out. <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely not sure how you can get in that position and not at least try and pull your arm away. This is this is 100 an officiating error. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's a red card. It's a penalty. There's there's no reason other than the officials missing it for that not to have occurred, to have occurred. And yeah. That's uh, that's a shocker. That is that is cost us dearly in that match i thought it was interesting um the way the team reacted to it It, they saw the ref say no no that i think called it out for a corner or something 
and they went, what? This is ridiculous. And they went, okay, better get on with the, the corner. The behaviour, God forbid I talk about <laughs> uh, other teams and the behaviour of surrounding the ref and yelling at the ref and, and misbehaving. But the way they reacted to such a blatantly poor decision, I, I thought did them some credit at least, even if they didn't get points, they, you know, moral victory. I think that's probably reflective of the difference between men and women's football. But like, I, I don't blame the ref for not seeing it. Like it was a very congested like area, usually on corners, the referee's on the, on the far side and it's the, it's the linesman on the near side's job to pick up anything on that side. And I don't think I agree that it was, you know, deliberate in the terms of like palming it away or arming it away, but it's, more certainly, you know, a handball by you know the definition of the the law, and and you know that's you know it would be a red card as well. So it's not the the reason why we lost, but when you look at these things, it's always frustrating that you know you could have had a penalty and a, and play the last you know five to ten minutes with a man or woman advantage as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a valid point. It, did we deserve it? Probably on the balance of things, no. But to see a decision that's that obvious. It, it irks. It's the, the problem we have with VAR, right? Because I think we can look at lots of VAR-made decisions in the men's league, for example, and a lot of them end up not being very good decisions. You know, we've seen a lot there that aren't the kind of clear and obvious error it was brought in to fix. We see these weird ones given. I always hark back to that roofer red card where he, he gets fouled and is rolling on the ground and manages to get sent off for his foot awkwardly making contact. That wasn't what VAR was brought in to fix this is the decision VAR was brought in to fix, you know, where there is a clear infringement that the officials have just not seen. You know, they were unsighted or whatever. This is the one that it's there to fix. And it's it's frustrating that you have those clear-cut ones happening in a league where you don't have VAR there to fix it. Because I would, I'm, I'm not VAR's biggest fan, but if VAR existed to fix only clear and obvious errors great that would be fantastic and that's what this one was this is the one it's there to fix and we don't have var in this league and instead we've got var in leagues making these you know four centimeter offside calls that are just ridiculous we should have var in this league though right yes we absolutely should and that is not from a penalty perspective but just a parity issue i guess there's lots of things we should have in the, the A-League woman that they don't necessarily have. You mean like changing rooms out of the 40-degree sun, that sort of thing? I think Rollo, Rollo said that he got a statement from the APL saying that due to some of the grounds the teams play at, they can't set up VAR. I, uh, I, I don't know if that means... The key thing they can't set up is the offside. Yeah. And does that mean that you, if you can't do that, then you can't do general kind of... Any like yeah. is it all or nothing or is it is there any way to kind of you know because they they do really only have two or three cameras for those women's games like yeah can they set it up for those or is that i mean they could they clearly choose not to though they they i don't think strictly speaking they do have to take an all or nothing approach but that clearly is the decision the leagues have taken is that the, if you can't do it all if you if you're going to have situations where you can't tell then it's not worth doing it at all. Uh, but, you know, you see cricket sometimes and, and tennis. We've seen a couple of things with that recently where they're using that thing where they don't have line judges. They have fully automated technology. And sometimes the technology just doesn't detect a particular shot or whatever. And so you have protocols in place for that. You know, if, if 
I, in my opinion, I think if you've got camera angles, you could be reviewing via a VAR. You should be doing that. And if there's something that is inconclusive, on-field decision stands. You know, it, it just seems like a no-brainer to me that where you have evidence that could be reviewed, you can review it. And if there remains doubt, you go with the decision on the field. That seems a, a reasonable approach to me. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think anything is better than this sort of decision happening again. That's why VAR was brought in. Um, it, it's As much as some people clamour for VAR going away, I, I do remember the dark days of these sorts of decisions, and they really bite. On to the next round. Um, all the games, I believe, are playing in Sydney at some stage. Is it Unity Round? Are they given it some other weird name? Unite. Unite yeah. Round. My bad. Sorry. I got confused with Star Wars Round. Um, that isn't happening this year, just in case you're curious. Men are playing Perth in Sydney, and the women are playing the Mariners also in Sydney. Uh, Cox will be out for the uh, women's team as she is attending a wedding, I believe. Hopefully that's local. She's not having to fly back to the States or something. Given she's moved around the world, I, I suspect it's probably one in America. Yeah, I suspect you're probably right, but that's a hell of a round trip inside a week. That's probably why she's not playing. Still, no injuries on the men's side. Obviously, Zawada's still out, I believe, will be out now. I take it you guys haven't heard anything otherwise? No. No. I think silence is probably not a good sign on that front from the club. Yeah, well, silence from the club. Um, sorry, that was a bit pointed, wasn't it? Uh, so up against Perth, who are currently sitting 11th, uh, really plumbing in the depths, only uh, Western United stopping them from hitting rock bottom. Frosty just handing them three points there. Well done, sir. <laughs> You're welcome. You're fucking welcome. You've had a shocker there. Honestly, I'm going to the TAB now. All, yep. of, all of it on Perth. What do you think I'm doing? I'm going to TAB as well. I'm going to get rich, bitches. Um, the women playing the Mariners, uh, somewhat, uh, I won't even curse, the, I won't even tell you about what the Mariners are doing, but it's not good. It's interesting, um, little period, I think, for the women's side. They've, for a couple of losses, the, the table's really, you know, congested. They're only four points above 10th now. Um, four points below second. <laughs> yeah. And I think in the next four weeks, they play three of the bottom four sides. So, um, and, you know, our waveform has been um, pretty poor. Um, and this game against Central Coast was a home game that's now been forced to play away, which is also annoying given that. But that's bullshit. If they don't get, you know, um, a solid collection of points from these next four games, um, you know, we could slip quite quickly down that table and, and think, start thinking about what could have been. Yep. Currently, the uh, women's team is sitting fourth, but um, both the Wanderers and Sydney on 14 and 16, respectively, um, and the Knicks on 16, uh, have a game in hand over the Knicks. But as you say, Dale, games against those bottom teams, you've got to hope you're picking those up. Hopefully getting some of those injured players back, Taylor, Main, and Elliot, especially if we're missing um, Cox as well. Do we have any predictions for these two? Are we going to be so bold as to 
double jinx or unjinx what I have said? I mean, I've yeah, I want to hear Frosty's prediction for the result. <laughs> six nil. How many are we pumping past them? Yeah, yeah, right. six nil. All all of them Costa. No, I think uh, Wooten's going to get a hat trick of of own goals. Yeah, well, that would be quite the uh, hat trick. Perfect hat trick of own goals. Um, do we have any predictions for these these games from you, gents? I mean, you'd be disappointed if we don't get two wins, wouldn't we? The Mariners game, I mean, we look at the table, right? We're fourth and they're 10th, but actually they've got a game in hand. If you consider that a win, they're only one point behind us. So realistically, that should be, on on that sort of form, an evenish game. Um, certainly more even than fourth versus 10th looks. So I think that one's going to be a tough one and, you know, you'd still hope to win it. But I think it's probably a little closer, whereas I think the men, as you say, anything but three points is disappointment. Yeah, there's not too much. I mean, the other thing is that it's also supposedly a Perth home game. So, well, I mean, that's that's good though, right? Like, because instead of having to go to Perth, we now only have to go to Sydney. Yeah, and we're already in the country, so they they stayed in country, I think, didn't they? Another woman definitely have. Um. Okay. Well, that, that's bold calls for the six points from you all. I'm I'm never this hopeful, and come January. I find this time of year quite the lottery. I think that's probably the end of it. Apart from say that the men's game is 9.45 uh, on the Sunday. The women's game is Friday at also 9.45. Both of those times are local. Good luck to anyone who's heading along to take part in the Unite round. Have fun. I'm sure it'll be the festival of football that it's um, purported to be. Otherwise, um, hopefully you enjoy watching on TV, as we will all be doing. And thank you for listening to this audio content. Goodbye.